This episode brought to you on a budget of about $25. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Test Podcast. I am Chaz, and with me, as always, is my co-host and the financial manager who says, whoa, 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 that's way too much money to put into this, Aaron Milton. No way. Uh, as we've already established before, I am somebody who wants to throw money at everything. That's how you're <laughs> going to solve all your problems. Just throw some money at it. That's how you're going to solve some problems. So you have me pegged completely wrong there, Chaz. I've not, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. On your intros here, are you coming up with that on the spot? You know, the first, like, three I wrote... And then I was like, okay, this is a good habit. And every week, what are we, episode like 24, 25 now? I forget every week. So yeah. yes, it is on the phone. All right. You know, because sometimes I'm like, all right, you know, is he up at night writing this down feverishly? Like, oh, this one will work. This one will make sense. Or is he just throwing that out there on the spot? I, I give people credit that are really good at kind of just winging things. I am not that type of person. <laughs> I would have just, if I were in your shoes right there, I'd just be like, and my host, you know, the guy, he he's here uh, and he's... Uh, it's jazz. Like that would be me. I wouldn't know what to say. And so uh, I give you props for that. That's kind. And I do get to edit these, but let's not sit here and pretend that I haven't tr like in some episodes tried to do that intro like three times. It's rare though. It's, it's actually, uh, you're a lot more consistent than I think you're giving yourself credit for. I think maybe those, well, those bad moments stick out, but, um, but the, no, you do a very good job with that. I mean, well, we are coming off of what I think may have been one of my favorite episodes today with the, the lady wonder. Is that her name? I think so. Uh, yes, it was. You uh, can tell it's my favorite cause yeah. I've already forgotten <laughs> It was, it was uh, Lady the Wonder Horse, as I want to refer to her for the rest of my life as. Uh, yes, that was a completely different type of ep episode for us. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. Now that I understood what the format was, <laughs> I know mid-episode, we didn't talk about it beforehand, but mid-episode, I was learning what was happening as we were going along, but it, it still works. Yeah, I realized very late on, you were waiting for like multiple. Yes, pitches. I was. It's just one. Be and it's just because your format is always... Mm -hmm. I got a bunch of wacky things to throw at you and you're gonna lose this game. Yeah. That's normally the format. And so when it was just one giant story, I was not anticipating that. And I was anticipating losing somewhere. Like I was going to lose. I think with that episode, we all won. We so did. if you haven't listened, be sure to go listen. And if you're on Spotify, let us know what stories you want me to regale to Aaron and uh, have him decide what type of movie and or TV show it will be. Uh, speaking of movies that and or TV shows that uh, maybe shouldn't exist, uh, what grade is your daughter in now? Uh, she's in fifth grade. Fifth grade, dang it. I, I thought maybe she was in fourth. So just picture a year ago. What What is the scariest movie you think you would let your daughter watch in fourth grade? Fifth grade's a whole nother ballgame. Man, what is the scariest movie I would let? So a nine-year-old. She would have been nine last year. So what is the scariest movie I would let? I mean, I would feel comfortable with just about any Disney horror classic. Cap out at Disney. So you can show her a Halloween Town or a Hocus Pocus. Oh, for sure. In fourth yeah. grade. Okay. Well, have you heard about the charter school in Miami? No. What did they watch? <laughs> so there's a charter school in Miami called the Academy for Innovative Education. This is real innovative, Aaron. Okay. The teacher, get this, said, I don't want to teach. Let's watch a movie. I, I didn't realize I went to such an innovative public school because yeah. my teachers did the exact same thing. <laughs> what did they watch, Jazz? Just get to the point. So this, what did they watch? This teacher puts out a poll to the fourth graders because letting fourth graders choose is, is the best idea. What do you want to watch? They settled on Winnie the Pooh. So he's like, okay, let me find a Winnie the Pooh Halloween thing. Oh my he God. shows 30 minutes of Winnie the Pooh blood and honey to these fourth graders. How did he make it that far? <laughs> that is the most innovative education I've ever heard. All right. Right. Okay. Let's, let's, you're firing this teacher, right? You have to. You, if it's like two minutes, that's one thing. 30 minutes? That's, that's, that's up. exactly it. That's ex there's like a few things that are going to go into my head. Uh, one, 
when you're watching this, like you're going to see an image of it anywhere you're getting it. Whether you're going to yeah. rent that online, there's no physical copy of it, but if you're going to rent that online or for some type of streaming service, you're going to see an image. So you have to immediately look at that image and say, yeah, that's Winnie the Pooh, because it isn't. Yeah, Disney produced this. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing in that image that says, oh yeah, this is the Disney one. And then 30 minutes. If I understand correctly, like people get killed pretty quickly into that film, from my understanding. Um, I could be wrong. I didn't watch it. I don't know anybody that's watched it, but I know that. I know some fourth graders. I know fourth graders that shouldn't. <laughs> I know that for sure. So, uh, uh, yeah, that guy uh, should be fired. Yeah, these children are currently meeting with a trauma counselor for their 30 minutes of terror. However, technically, one of us could bring up Winnie the Pooh today because Blood and Honey only made about $1 million at the box office. It's fair game because I, I kind of felt bad after last week's episode. You mentioned two weeks of me not letting you in on anything, just throwing stuff at you when we started recording. So I said, hey, let's do an actual top 10. Like you pre-plan and I'm not just throwing at you, I'm throwing stuff at you blindly. And then you took that ball, that softball, and you hit it out of the park and made it hard for me by saying horror movies, but horror movies specifically that made less than $20 million, I'm assuming domestically, because that's what I looked at yeah. at the box office. Uh, Chaz, now that might feel like a challenge, right? Like I, I think most people that would listen to this would go like, Holy smokes, I have horror films I love, mm -hmm. but did they make less than 20 million at the box office? That's, that's very, very low. But that's that's a trick. You're kind of being tricked a little bit there because we're in the age of streaming. That's true. So you can actually go almost any direction and find absolutely grade A horror films out there mm -hmm. that have made less than $20 million because they never went to the box office. So that's going to be a little trickier because I've got a bunch of them on here and you should. Yep, I thought I, thought I was going to get a whole lot of pushback. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you kind of you have to do that. Now, I have some that absolutely do have box office numbers. So I absolutely do have some. I went and I, I tried to stick to box office as much as I could. I only have one that was never released and has no box office numbers. So I feel pretty good about that. Well, that's good. I still may get some pushback because I will say this, okay? Technically, every single thing on my list is in like one of the genres listed as horror. So I'm just putting that out there before you come at me. Technically, these are all horror movies. Yeah, okay. I've got, I've got some that could fall into a range where maybe you wouldn't quite call it a horror film, but I, I think you can absolutely make that justification that there is horror elements of it. So I, I think that is totally fair. And because when I see when I'm building a list, Chaz, I want to be a little bit more dynamic when I'm building a list. I don't want it just to be straight like oh, these are horror films. I want I want to sit there and think like, okay, let's break it up. Like this is a you know maybe a slasher film, but this is going to be more of a black comedy kind of thing with horror. I, I want to have a little bit of a mix in there. So. I think I've got some of that in here as well. So Chaz, that is completely within bounds. Yes. Uh, I, last thing I want to say before we get into it, I am at ease today and you should be too, listener, because Charlie and the Chocolate Factory made $206 million, so Aaron cannot put it on his list. There is no way that made over $200 million. $206 million, just domestically. That does not make sense. That's as baffling as Avatar 2 making as much money as it did. And I still don't know a single person that saw Avatar 2. I still don't know one. We do a movie-focused podcast, and I still don't know anyone that's seen Avatar 2. Chaz, have you seen Avatar 2 yet? If you look at my history on Disney+, Plus, I have, mm -hmm. because I turned it on, forgot it was on, and left. So technically, I've streamed it. Perfect. 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 Maybe uh, why did you not go back in 20 minutes? Because by the time, like, I was doing laundry, and I walked out, and then I got caught up in something else. And then by the time I went back, it was so close to the end. And that movie is so long, I thought, there's no, no shot. I'm going to restart this or rewind it. Heaven forbid I hit rewind or just like the circle back arrow um not yeah. happening so i just let it let it be 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry, James Cameron. Better luck next time. No, I mean, he got my number, so. That's true. He did look at that and say, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You love these movies. Yeah, the TV in the bedroom stream this to no one. <laughs> he went outside and did yard work and forgot I was on. <laughs> All right, so I do, have, I do have top 10, but I also have an honorable mention. I believe you do as well. I, when you told me, because I asked you yesterday, I said, yep. how many do you have? Because I don't think we specifically set a top 10. We just That's just what I default to. Yeah, which is good. Which is good. So you did put a top 10. You said you did have an honorable mention. So I was like, all right, I got to put an honorable mention here. Um, so I have one as well. So we are even this time. All right. And as far as I know so far, until we get into these lists, it sounds like we both have the same parameters. So it might not end up like some of the past lists that are wildly different. <laughs> I, I would say it was because of how we discussed this, but no, clearly we didn't. We got off, we got off on that last episode talking about up, the upcoming episode, and that was all we did. The only parameters <laughs> were that it had to be under $20 million and that it had to be a horror movie. That was literally it. End of parameters. But I'm glad that we're, we're, we sound about even here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. We'll see when we get into these lists. But I mean, yeah, we've talked it through. Uh, so what is your honorable mention before we top or we crack into this top 10? My honorable mention, I'm going to venture a guess that this ends up in your top 10. Okay. I'm going to venture a guess. Uh, and I was on the fence on this one. I had it on my list and I said, you know what? I kind of want my list to be a little bit more serious here. I'm going to keep this one off, but this is still such an awesome choice here. And that is the original What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. I'm going to keep that as my honorable mention. I'm judging your facial expressions as if I might hear this again. I would say it's like somewhere, my feelings right now are like on that line of disgust and disappointment, you know, <laughs> that's not in your top 10. However, by what you've said, we're, we are going to have two very different lists. So I'm, I'm glad about that. We're giving people options. Here's my justification, Chaz. And as, you, as you've already determined, we, we did very good in laying out our groundwork before we started this list. <laughs> I did say horror. Mm-hmm. And what we do in the shadows, I don't know if I would say there's really much of horror elements in it at all. Mm -hmm. Nothing about that is supposed to be taken seriously mm -hmm. or taken with any type of scare. Sure, it's adjacent to horror, but it is very much, strongly, through and through, a comedy. And it's it the is. only reason I had to pull it off that list and keep it off the list. Because if I wanted to keep this serious and I wanted to stick to horror as its backbone, and if mm -hmm. it has funny elements around it, that's fine. I couldn't put it on there. So that had to be my honorable mention today. Man. Okay, well, uh, since you're going the serious route, I'm just going to tell you, building this list, I realized that I tend heavily towards horror comedy. Like, heavily, heavily. Which is totally fair. Yeah, we're giving people options. That, I mean, not everybody likes the same thing. So, you're going to get 22, technically. Beautiful, beautiful options for what to watch. Uh, this is our last episode before Halloween. So, we're giving you so many options over the next couple days to watch Gearing Up for Halloween. With that being said, you said you like horror to be the backbone. I think I like horror to be like a clavicle or like an elbow, you know, something that's important, but it's not the, the foundation structure. So you might be disappointed in how high what we do in the shadows ranks on my list. I'm not going to be disappointed by it. It is a very good movie. And it, we should probably give uh, a synopsis of this film for anybody that hasn't seen this film, doesn't know what we're talking about. We're just that's assuming true. you know what we're talking about because it's a great movie and you should already watch it. It is a mockumentary following around vampires in New Zealand. That's all you really need to know about it. And it is a very, very funny movie. There is not a single person that I know that has seen that movie that does not think that movie is hilarious. Very, very funny through and through. You should watch it. It's Taika Waititi's second best movie that he's ever made. What is his best movie? For the Wilder People. I would say that this one is the best and Hunt for the Wilder People is number two, but dang, they're so close. I think I'm in the minority. Um, last week, you made fun of me for telling my dog, bless you. Would you like an update on his medical conditions? <laughs> sure, what happened? What, what happened to the poor dog? 
Uh, he ate a bunch of macaroni and cheese out of the trash, and now he's sitting directly behind me, just fogging me out of this. So if I just cover my whole face for a long period of time, it's because I literally can't breathe. You got to lock him in another room, man. You got to. Oh, it's it's so bad. He's in a cheese coma just right behind yes, me. Just loving life. My honorable mention, it is very comedy focused. Even the the like twist at the end with the killer, why he is the way he is, is really ridiculous. It couldn't make my top 10 because I'm from West Virginia and I take offense to Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Chaz, I'm so glad you brought this up because as we were just talking about comedy Mm -hmm. and horrors, that was the movie that popped in my head and I said, ooh, I should put this on the list. (laughs) Because that that is a wildly, wildly underrated horror comedy. I believe so. I pulled numbers, uh, but it's okay if you didn't. I I pulled, for Tucker and Dale, $224,000 is all that movie made. I, if I remember correctly, the first time that I saw it, it's got to be about a little over a decade at this point. It's got to mm-hmm. be like 12 years ago when I first saw this film. I want to say it was a Redbox film. Like, I didn't know this was ever even in theaters. I thought this was a Redbox only movie that existed. And um, remember Redbox? <laughs> yeah. Now, for again, those that don't know, it is a cl- like a classic horror film with the teenagers that are being killed accidentally by these two by themselves they're killing themselves really basically yes they are killing themselves that is a great point so there are these two main characters tucker and dale who are not bad guys but the other characters think they are bad guys and are running away from them as they're being killed just because they're hillbillies yes they're, they're getting killed off and it is very funny it is a very good movie that's that's a good selection and Chaz, i would i would argue with you that i would say that's i would say that's got a horror backbone yeah oh a backbone it's built off of a horror trope. True. Yeah, it's I would because it's built off of a, a horror trope. The entire film is built off of a horror trope, but obviously still very funny through and through. But it, it, the fact that it's got that element mm-hmm. as its centerpiece, I would say you're completely fair in putting it there. And I would also argue that it has one of the most underrated actors of our day in it with Alan Tudyk. I love Alan Tudyk, and I, I think he is very underrated as an actor. I don't know. I feel like he's getting his, uh, his credit these days. I feel mm-hmm. like because of his Disney work. I I think so. I I, I think he played a chicken in Moana. Yeah, once he sh- <laughs> once he showed up as the uh, the robot in um, Rogue One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I noticed a lot of people kind of come out and say like, you know, he's really great. He's really great, and, and a lot of talk then started coming up to where people I think were starting to recognize him. Listen, if you say Alan Tudyk is great because of Rogue One and not because of a Knight's Tale, we're not in this. <laughs> oh, a Knight's Tale! Wow, what a yeah. what a reference there. <laughs> All right, so my number 10, and I'm going to assume that you have not seen this film. This was another Redbox special for me, actually. Spent a lot of time at Redbox. I think that's just the era of when I was watching a lot more horror films at this time. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to pick your next. So your next is going to be my pick for, it's a home invasion film, but also very funny. It's got a very deep kind of black comedy build to it. I don't want to give too much away, but it basically takes place in a mansion um, with a bunch of awful people getting killed. There is a female lead in it, and she is great, and it is very good. So uh, I did want to have a home invasion kind of category built into this one there mm-hmm. as well. i mixed on how I feel about home invasion films in general, but this one was good because, A, it didn't make a lot of money, so it is underrated and not mm-hmm. uh, wholly appreciated, and it's very good. So for me, you're next at number 10. Well, Aaron, I thought about a home invasion movie really stuck with me from when I originally watched it was The Strangers, and I wanted to put that on my list, mm-hmm. but it made too much money, so I couldn't go with that. Uh, I really, really wanted a Halloween movie on this list, because if we're talking just straight up like slasher horror movies, classics, Halloween is my go-to. I don't care about Home Street. I don't care about Camp Crystal Lake. Give me Halloween movies. However, your caveat of $20 million only left me with two choices. <laughs> That's Halloween 4, 
with Michael Myers, which is garbage, or Halloween 3, which doesn't even have Michael Myers in it. And of the two, I chose Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Well, another funny thing about that, Chaz, is I've heard a lot of people give that movie a lot of credit. Isn't Michael Myers not in that movie at all? So, originally, John Carpenter's Halloween series was supposed to be an anthology series. Michael Myers was not supposed to be in any Halloween movie after the second one. Interesting. But Season of the Witch got so much crap because no one knew. It was the 80s. You're not going online and seeing that this is an anthology series. No one knew. So everybody went to the theater expecting Michael Myers, getting no Michael Myers. But if you take that out of it and you realize going in, this is not a Michael Myers movie, it's not that bad. And that's kind of what I've I've heard. I I didn't know that about John Carpenter. I didn't know that this was supposed to be an anthology, which... Makes sense because it's called Halloween. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, oh yeah, it should be be an anthology of of different films. So that that makes sense on paper. Um, and I've heard a lot of people. That's kind of what people have said is if you don't think of it as a Michael Myers focused film and just for what it is, it's actually a pretty good time. Um, you kind of just have to understand that mm-hmm. when going into it. But I think it is divisive. Yeah. Because I think for your your normal kind of slasher horror fan, that is going to be a massive letdown. Yeah, and basically um, this movie, no Michael Myers. It's about three children's masks that turn kids into demons basically um, yeah and the, the plot to i guess do the trolls thing in earnest scared stupid let's just get rid of these kids <laughs> halloween is all about getting rid of children what i've learned yeah yeah if, if we've learned yeah. if we've learned anything at this point halloween is not for the kids you've got earnest scared stupid you have halloween three you've got what's the double double toil and trouble the mary kate and ashley you remember oh that <laughs> just get rid of the children what are these movie references so far, Jazz? Oh, man. Disney Channel and Sci-Fi. Is the, yeah. You remember the Sci-Fi Channel? Yeah. That's where I got my love for Halloween movies that are very, 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 very bad. That one made $14.4 million, by the way, so less than 20 The, the funny thing is I was going to write down the money, but so many of these didn't even get theatrical releases right. that I just was like, eh, I'm going to scrap it. So is that all you have there? You have that one? Give me your nine. Okay, Chaz, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Already. Okay. I, f- I forgot to mention this. I'm going to give you nine and eight back to back. Okay. Because in my opinion, these go hand in hand. You have to keep these hand in hand. There was no point in me mentioning one and not mentioning the other. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be eight and nine for me. I don't know if I'll put it in that order or if I would swap them. Either way, have you ever seen a little movie called Creep? No. I I can can 100% picture what it looks like when I'm walking out of Walmart and I look over at Redbox. Yes. (laughs) I think it was originally Redbox. That's not when I saw it, though. But I I remember this, too. I remember the image of it. Just the eye poking out of the... Nope, nope, nope. Nope. This one? You're thinking of Jeepers Creepers. Was that the Jeepers Creepers? I'm not talking Jeepers Creepers. I'm top, talking Creep. I thought that was the Creep poster. I didn't, I didn't realize this until I saw the film. The Creep poster was like a light behind a person standing at the top of the stairs looking down. And for the oh, okay, okay, for the okay, longest yeah. time, so you can't see the figure, just see their outline. And I always assumed that was at the bottom of the basement. When you watch the movie, you're like, oh, that's just like a staircase leading up to your house. That's all it was. <laughs> Less creepy when it's not in a basement. So what these movies are, and- This is the Duplass brothers, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Mark Duplass in these movies is so freaking good. So these you can find on Netflix right now. It was actually supposed to be a trilogy- um, I think that third one's been in production forever. Some funny things about the movie. I don't remember how long the second one. The first one is like an hour. It's literally a little over an hour. And truthfully, it is perfect because mm-hmm. it's a found footage film, which mm-hmm. I don't love found footage films. They're kind of, yeah, they can be good. They can be awful. There's a fine line there. This one is great. From my understanding, there's there's really only two actors in this entire uh, movie. Most of it, from what I have read, is, um, what, do you, what do you call that when they're just kind of doing it on the spot? Improv? Improv. Thank you. <laughs> So much of it was improv. You're so good at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, does that not? <laughs> I 
I didn't realize how perfect that was to ask that <laughs> stupid question to that. Um, it was just kind of like this idea that these two guys kind of had, Mark Duplass being one of them. It's got some jump scares, and as the movie goes on, it just gets more and more weird. It's got some interesting little elements as you kind of get to the end. So there's just enough of that thread. And uh, the second one is kind of just more of that with a little bit more elements added to it as well. Again, both of these you can find on Netflix. And uh, you can watch the first one in like an hour. And it is very enjoyable. There might be a section of it where you're like, oh, this kind of, I don't really get where this is going. And then it starts to unravel a little bit. And it gets better and better as you get there. So I, that's gonna, I have to put them together because they're just that good and they deserve to be together. So I'm gonna say uh, nine and eight is creep one and two. Which one's which? What's your nine? Uh, okay, all right. I'm gonna say, I guess just because you're, you're still learning and feeling it out. I'm gonna say creep one is nine and creep two is eight. But you gotta watch the first one. You would. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to watch the first one to, to fully understand the second one for sure. All right, well my number nine, I'll just go kick number nine and eight as well. You should watch these back to back if I'm gonna be honest. They have nothing to do with each other. Uh, but my number nine is a movie that came out and I feel like a lot of people were talking about it and excited for it and then it came out and then no one really cared and now nobody thinks about it. It is what if Superman came to the world and he was evil. It's Brightburn. Did I just see today, I don't want, I don't want to date ourselves here, but I believe mm -hmm. today a new trailer just dropped for a movie called Saltburn. Is this at all related to Brightburn? Softburn? It's salt, salt, S-A-L-T, Saltburn. Salt. Salt. Salt and was this related? It's just funny you mentioned Brightburn because I just thought about this like an hour ago. I saw this Saltburn trailer. Oh no, this, is, like, is this has nothing. Totally different? Yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. Because it was just, uh, it just popped into my head there. Brightburn deserved to be a better film than it was. Mm -hmm. That trailer in the premise is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like that should be, that should be really good. But it just doesn't quite work the way that, that it was sold. And man, nobody went and saw that. Nobody went and saw it. And I feel like if... The circle would have been completed. It would have been better. And by that, I mean, hmm. it's written by Mark Gunn and Brian Gunn. It is yeah. produced by James Gunn. It is directed by David Yarovsky. Why didn't James <laughs> Gunn just direct this? That's, yeah, that it doesn't make sense. If it was just a, an like an entire gun production, mm -hmm. I'm going to guess, though, at that time, I mean, really, for the last many years now, James Gunn's been a pretty busy man. Yeah, this is 2019, so busy. <laughs> yeah, so this was probably just not realistic mm -hmm. for him to be able to do it. He'll go ahead and fund the money for that. But I wonder if this comes up at the holidays, right? They're all just kind of sitting around, and the two <laughs> Gunn brothers are just like, dude, come on. Like, why couldn't you have done that for us? Why couldn't you just done the movie for us? Like, yeah. Uh, or if they're actually proud of it. I don't know. I don't want to speak for them. Maybe they, maybe they loved it. Yeah, that movie was just always a movie that had so much potential. We yeah. just never really got it. Yeah, premise exactly what we talked about it is it's so good and there are moments in this i mean there was one moment i remember watching it that i had to look away um it's real gross like a lady pulling glass out of her eyeball no thank you <laughs> but there are moments of like so we talked last week spoiler alert for our last episode we talked about a uh future seeing horse and aaron made this whole movie about its owner realizing it is pure evil and the owner has to kill it that is what this movie boils down to is the parents deciding oh this this kid's here to kill, destroy the world we have to kill this kid and they're yeah. out, man, there's a lot in that. And it's maybe the last, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie that it really yeah. <laughs> kicks in. Uh, that but, it really kind of uh, focuses on that? Yeah. I also do love the fact, uh, so Michael Rooker's in every James Gunn production. He mm -hmm. is at the end of this as a J. Jonah Jameson. Have you seen Brightburn? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's at the end of it as a J. Jonah Jameson type, uh, kind of like from the new Spider-Man, where he's just a YouTube personality. And he's showing clips of all these potential evil beings on earth and there's like an evil aquaman and an evil Batman. yeah <laughs> i just love this universe of just 
preteens. <laughs> just evil yeah. superhero preteens. <laughs> That's just straight up ripping off DC. And now James Gunn is in charge of DC. There, there is kind of a thing, though. And, and that concept in 2019 felt fresh. Mm -hmm. In 2023, it doesn't feel that fresh anymore. Fair. Because we've been playing with that concept for a while now. Look at the boys. The boys is kind of a Justice League... But they're all not really good people. They're pretty awful people. The animated one on, also on Amazon, maybe. I don't remember what that was called. In, uh, Invincible? Invincible. Yeah, yeah. That was another comic book idea of a superhero not really being a good guy at all. So those kind of concepts have, have kind of been put around for a while. I think what made Brightburn feel a little bit different was just specifically Superman, right? Mm -hmm. Superman was, and that's, that character is untouchable. They're the American spirit. They were built like that, and so to have them be evil and unstoppable was mm -hmm. uh, was kind of a cool idea. But um, that's a good choice. I like it, Jazz. Thank you. Uh, my number eight, after you watch Brightburn, you should definitely watch my number eight. I don't think I've seen my number eight since probably 1996-ish. Wow. So it's been a minute. I very vividly remember sitting multiple times. I've seen this movie, sitting in the living room with my grandmother. She loved it. Man, is it camp, and it knows it. But if you are isolated... In a small desert town with just a couple people because that's all you can afford to put in the cast and you start having giant worms attack you you better have seen tremors when i was a child tremors to me i never i the only time i've seen it is i've seen it on like replays on sci-fi channel okay like the the sci-fi network would would sometimes play them because there's like a bunch of tremors movies they were like really hot for a while there and i think they made like three or four of them mm -hmm. and um this is just og tremors on my list yeah, and I, I distinctly remember as a kid catching some of these scenes and being blown away at this concept, mm -hmm. which is great, right? If you're writing a movie and you want to make monsters, where the monsters come from is, yeah, you've got a few options, right? It's very easy to send them from space. It's very easy to bring them up from hell. Uh, you know, it's probably a little less common to see them come out of the water, but you don't, these are just giant worms coming out of the ground, <laughs> eating everything. And I remembered always thinking as a kid, like, man, what would you do? Like... You could fly in a plane, but how long could you fly for? And that movie addresses all of that. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to kill it? You're going to chuck some dynamite in a hole. Yeah. That's how you're going to kill it. <laughs> it's, uh, and they are, they are campy as all get out. That's a great way of describing it. As a child, though, yeah, I don't think you quite know how to contextualize camp. You learn that much later on, what that is. But as a, as a child, that's still, again, I'm trying to figure out if I'm nine years old and my teacher says, we're going to watch a movie, we're going to watch Tremors. Uh, would that still mess me up pretty bad? Yeah. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Uh, some people say, ooh, Footloose. Ooh, Hollow Man. Shut up and give me Tremors. That is where Kevin Bacon peaked. That, yeah. Yeah. And and like you're talking about, in the ground, that's a great that's, – that's, you just go outside. How, how often are aliens coming out of the sky? But how often do you see a worm on the ground and think, man, this thing, if it would grow, could eat me? But from a production budget, what's even more impressive to me is – how much is it actually going to cost to just make it look like something's in the ground? Most of this, you don't even see the trimmers. Very smart and cost-effective. Yeah, there was just something, there's something frightening. Again, you can't escape the ground. Uh, a little thing called gravity makes it yeah. impossible. So, um, or you can temporarily escape the ground, but you're not going to be there for very long. Yeah, there was something great about that concept. It's simple. It's simple and it is campy. But yeah, that's a that's a, another great choice. Yeah, you're going in a completely different direction than I am. I think I'm taking this way too seriously. All right, well, give me your number, your very serious number seven. Okay, Chaz, I'm going to go with this number seven. And you mentioned it last week, and I think you were a little bit concerned about this. Chaz, this will be the only Korean horror film that I put on here. But <laughs> thought you were going to say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm not going to do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Chaz. It made too much money, apparently. <laughs> when looking at, and I've, I've, if you've been listening to us for many years, 
back when we were the Real Movie Talk podcast, you know that I do have a certain love for Korean films, specifically mm-hmm. kind of Korean horror or thriller films. So it's really hard for me to sit there and go, well, what one is my all-time favorite? And I was going to pick a different one, but it did fall into a little bit more thriller. Thriller is its background, not horror. So I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I had to go stick with the one um, that I think is more universally praised anyway. Mm. You would have to be prepared to sit for a pretty long time. I think it's about two hours and 40-something minutes. Dang. Um, I believe this is still available on Netflix, but this is The Wailing. Okay. Uh, the Wailing's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of possession stuff going on there. It's got a... It's it's got a lot of disturbing imagery in there. It's got a little bit of uh, curses mixed in there. Um, but man, is it good. I believe it's got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. But again, you have to be willing to kind of sit through it. But it is very unsettling. It's one of my favorite things about Korean films and why Korean horror films are so good to me. Um, I almost went with Train to Busan, but I didn't pick Train to Busan. What I love so much about them that really differs from American movies so much is there are no sacred characters. Mm. And you kind of have to realize that pretty early on. That characters that you feel like are a backbone to this story are really important. They're not going to go away. They're going to be here forever. They have no problem just killing them off in the middle of these movies. No hesitation in doing stuff like that. Um, and The Wailing, again, kind of continues a lot of that trend as well. Man, did we did we talk... Did we do an episode about trailers or something where this the trailer for this movie came up? I believe so. Man, you are really reaching back. I would say that's got to be like a 2018 episode. Okay, because I very much remember parts of this, but I know I've never seen yeah. it. So it must have been, yeah, in the trailer. Because yeah. it's like, it's a South Korean story, but it's like a Japanese, I don't want to say main character because of what you're saying, but. Correct. Yeah, it does yeah. have the, there are, there are Japanese in, included in this as well. This is not, uh, Handmaiden is really built into that. In fact, oh, maybe that maybe that's the trailer. Yeah, yeah, you might be thinking of Handmaid. So, because that one, uh, depending on the dialogue text color, determined yeah. if they were speaking in Japanese or Korean. Uh, yeah, which is, yeah, that's which is pretty I'm great. Yeah, you're thinking of Handmaid, yeah. which is again another movie that probably could have made this list as well. But I went with the whaling. Fine, it is very niche, but it's not South Korean niche. It is mm-hmm. maybe super American niche. Uh, it kind of introduced the world. Uh, it, this isn't their first project, but it's maybe their first mainstream project to one Bruce Campbell and one Sam Raimi with Army of Darkness. Man, that is a good one. I didn't even think box office mm-hmm. for that. For that it's 11.5 million. Wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, not an underrated one. That movie ends up becoming influential mm-hmm. for a lot of dark comedies. This is my boomstick. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm weird when it comes to Army of Darkness, but specifically Evil Dead. Okay. Yeah, this is not Evil Dead. This is just I, Army of Darkness. Yes. We're talking... 1300s we're talking him fighting knights with a chainsaw and his shotgun before it, it gets crazy in the present day yeah sam sam raimi's he threads a needle perfectly when mm-hmm. he understands horror so well but he understands camp and humor so well that those movies and trust me i looked because drag me to hell is one of my favorites of Sam Raimi's. I love that movie so much. And I think that movie is another great example of him just totally understanding what makes horror horror and what makes camp camp and what makes comedy comedy and just threads right in between all of it. Down to the last second in that one. Yes. Yes. So, so good. So good. And, but that movie made too much money. Um, Mm -hmm. but army of darkness, you see, you see, he mastered it basically from the beginning, Mm -hmm. basically from the beginning. And Bruce Campbell is a name today, which he's not in everything. He's, he's still very limited, but people know who he is because that movie is so impactful. That's um, right. It's crazy it didn't make any money. That must have been just a movie that became really popular after the fact. It is very much a cult classic, yes. I'm going to go... I, you know what, Chaz? I'm going to say this. How many movies do you know 
that were directed by Bill Paxton, the late great Bill um, Paxton. Off the top of my head, zero. Okay, so you don't know any movies directed by the late great Bill Paxton. Would you like to see a movie directed by Bill Paxton, starring Bill Paxton, and also starring a very young Matthew McConaughey? That depends. Is it the late great Bill Paxton? Yeah, the late great one. Yeah, yes, the late great one, not the current one. Uh, this movie is called Frailty. Uh, this movie came out, I want to say this came out in the late 90s. Bill Paxton only directed two movies, by the way. This movie is great. It takes place in two different timelines. So it kind of jumps between these two different timelines. Why this movie is so great is Bill Paxton plays a, a serial killer. We'll say a serial killer and he's got two sons. And he is killing who he believes God is telling him are demons. Bill Paxton's character is super lovable, super nice, not abusive, not mean. Nothing like that. He just believes that God is telling him to kill these people that are said demons. The other timeline is one of those sons as an adult coming back to that town and working with the police. That's all I'll really say about it, because if you want to check this movie, I highly recommend it. But it is awesome. It is so good. I forgot how good this movie was as I was doing this research. This one came up and I was like, oh my goodness, and I had to rewatch it. And it is. It's, it's got that late 90s feel to a movie. Highly recommend it. So if you ever do get a chance, go check out Frailty. So Matthew McConaughey, I'm assuming, is one of the sons? Yes, that's a good guess. Yes, he is one of the sons coming back. So what? There, there's an element of the film of where the sons are completely horrified by what they're seeing because they're very much involved in it. And then, the, you know, the, the father's whole thing is just you have to trust, you have to believe, you have to have faith. This is the right decision where the kid kind of struggles with his faith and what he actually believes and whether he thinks his dad is a good person or not. I, again, very good film. I don't, I don't know why Bill Paxton only directed two movies. I have no clue. And I have no clue why it was one of these movies, but um, he did a very good job in it. It's, it. it is. It's super worth watching. I don't know how much this made. I want to say it made under 10 million. So I don't think it had much of a box office run. Oh, man. Well, I am going to be quick about my next one because we are running out of time. But uh, my next movie, my number six, is In the Mouth of Madness. Do you know this movie? No, I don't. All right. So this is a John Carpenter joint from um, 1994. And it stars Sam Neill as an insurance investigator who gets hired to look for a horror writer that has went missing. And the horror writer decides that anything he writes now becomes true, and he is God. And that Sam oh. Neill is just not even a real person until he starts writing him into his book to come find him. So everything he thinks he knows is incorrect. This is ripe for a remake in my mind. Um, but it is This like sounds a, awesome. Yeah, it's like a psychological thriller. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it is very much slept on. I love some Sam Neill too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very much from New Zealand, but this is early Sam Neill. So very much from New Zealand, but sometimes has an American accent, but sometimes doesn't. Fantastic. I definitely want to check that out. That actually, when did, so this was been a 90s? As in 94. Yep. Okay. Okay. No, I'm going to, I'm going to check that one out. I will say the practical effects in this, there's some demons in it. There's some face mutilation type stuff. Fantastic. The CGI, some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> which just <laughs> makes it even better. It was 1994. Right. You know, yeah, there's some charm left in that. Yeah. All right. What you got for five? We're in the top five now. Let's crank it out. Okay. So this is top five. So I, I do have the, the right amount here. I have one, two, three, four, five. Okay. So I do have five left. Okay. Uh, Travis, I'm going to go with uh, an, another Netflix classic here. Tearing this up. was a, this was, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I should go back even further. Not just on Netflix. I mean, Netflix DVD. Oh, okay. You loved you a good DVD. Uh, my dad, to this day, I think my dad was one of the original people to ever get the Netflix DVDs. I swear he was because <laughs> it blew my mind and I didn't know anybody else that was getting these. So this was a little movie he got one time 
that was filmed somewhat locally to us. Um, and it is about an old, which is, this is all true. It was an old asylum that was shut down over the years and it's just been dilapidated over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, this movie is called session nine. Have you ever heard of session nine? I've not heard of session nine. All right. So basic premise of this movie is this cleanup crew is sent to go into an old abandoned, um, mental hospital and they're you know basically cleaning out well one guy comes across these creepy little tapes down in the basement and as he continues to listen to these tapes things start to happen that's all i'm going to tell you about it it is really good very very creepy little horror film and what's what's crazy is it's just naturally creepy because they are mm -hmm. in an old abandoned asylum that they didn't have to doll up it is just that um so they could film on location that, that place does not exist anymore it's now condos but at the time they filmed it <laughs> haunted condos it was it was uh very creepy so session nine was this weird moment where again we were getting dvds brought to our house mm -hmm. and here's this weird gem that i'd never heard of and i loved the movie uh, so i'm gonna put that in my top five session nine all right i'm gonna seek it out and find where i can watch it my number five what if clue but some amazing comedy minds the at&t girl and a werewolf i have not seen this but i want to i keep forgetting to check this out yeah, Werewolves Within is definitely in my top five. It is very much comedy horror. Um, I will say, spoiler alert, I knew who the werewolf was immediately. So if you're looking for huge whodunit, you're not going to get that. I mean, they do save it, but it, it's pretty clear. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I, I, again, I have not seen this, but just knowing you, Chaz, I bet you a million bucks I'd watch this and wouldn't know until the reveal. Chaz is very good at picking up on director clues and tips. Like... He sees it when they're tipping their hands. I will never wow, forget you gun, figured, when you figured out knives out because of a weird camera pan. You did, it you did took a, the knife. <laughs> you put it, it across his throat. It did a camera pan, and that's how you figured it out in like the first yeah. 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. I bet you I would watch this and still be like, who is it? I don't know. I'll, I'm going to have to check it out. I'll have to report back on whether uh, I figured it out or not as quickly as you did. Well, this did come out in theaters. It came out in 2021. It's a pandemic, but still only made uh, $576,000. It is wow. now on Hulu if you want to watch it on Hulu. So yeah. it's a good place to check it out. I've got a pandemic special movie coming up here soon as well. But going into my top four, again, a wildly high, highly rated film. I think it's like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a Netflix-only streaming movie. It is called His House. His House. So His House follows a refugee husband and wife who escape the horrors of, I don't even think they list what country they're coming from. They end up in England and end up getting placed into a very dilapidated house uh, as they assimilate into potentially coming citizens of the UK. Um, deals very heavy on kind of guilt and regret. And it is a, I would say it's much more of like a haunted house type film with maybe some okay. light possession. Uh, included in there this what some light possession what is interesting about this film is i think this film works if you didn't include the horror elements mm -hmm. if you didn't even include the horror elements and just made this a drama about the refugee couple it would still be awesome and it almost doesn't need the horror elements but man some of those scenes are very creepy and can get you a little little startled in there so the the horror elements don't do work it doesn't it's not that they don't work mm -hmm. um but again a, a great movie all in all i think it's about an hour and a half so it's not a super long movie you can check it out on netflix and uh, i would recommend that right, well if you were to tell me that my number four movie did not make $20 million without me looking it up, I don't know if I would have believed you because it is a horror comedy classic stretching all the way back from the dark ages of 2004. Uh, but if, so you live across the river, if people in your town became zombies, is it, is it so mundane over there that you wouldn't even notice? <laughs> 
Uh, no, Hogtown's pretty wild out here. I would know immediately. Actually, I don't know. I've walked through the Walmart out here. If, you know, if I'm not really paying attention, those could all be zombies and I would not know. Yeah. That's actually uh, a good point. I wouldn't know. You're right. You got me. Where I'm from originally as well. Probably <laughs> wouldn't notice for like months. Meth uh, does but, that to people, Chaz. Yeah, it does Meth that does. to people. <laughs> but that is the case in Shaun of the Dead. Man, that is such a good choice. That is such a good choice. Shaun of the Dead as an all-time classic for me. You are 100% right. I, I didn't even look down that avenue because I would have thought for mm -hmm. sure that made enough money. But if you think about it, that's very early on in those line of films. I think the other one's probably end up doing way more money in the box office. Um, man, Shaun of the Dead is such a good zombie horror comedy through and through. Um, great choice. Do you have anything else you want to add to that one? Nah, you, we're in top three territory now. Let's, let's tear it up. All right. I am going to do a pandemic special. It's I wouldn't say it's the only reason it didn't make $20 million, but it might be something that leads into it a little bit. This came out in 2021, I believe, is okay. when it had its theatrical run. Uh, this one got a ton of praise when it came out, so I was very excited to check it out. And so when it finally did make it onto, I don't even know where I streamed this, uh, I was very excited to watch it, and it did not disappoint. And it's Nighthouse. Have you heard of Nighthouse, Jazz? Nighthouse. Uh, what I'm thinking of, I believe, is called Night Manager, so I don't think so. Okay, so uh, the basic premise of this film, a couple lives out on a lake, her husband one day wakes up, goes out onto the boat, and he shoots himself. And she has no clue why that's happening. So she starts digging through some of his stuff, and things start to unravel and unravel and unravel as they go along. It is awesome from beginning to start. A few things to highlight. It's probably, is it Rebecca Hall? Yes. Um, she is incredible in this movie, and I don't normally highlight actors and actresses that much, because I think good acting is good acting. I just have a hard time differentiating when it gets really good. Mm -hmm. But she does some moments in this film where her grief, her rage, and her confusion are all mixing into one. And it's great. Like, she nails it on so many parts of that movie that it stuck out to me at how good it was. The sound design in that film is awesome. There's a lot of whispering, and there's a lot of things you hear going around you um, are great. And visually, it's a, a striking film altogether uh, with great twists down to pretty much the end. Pretty much when you get right towards the end and you're not, you think you know what's happening, like, oh, this is what's happening. And then you get the final, like, uh-uh, just a little bit of a turn of, nope, it was actually this. Uh, great movie. Highly recommend Nighthouse if you haven't checked it out. Those are the best when you think you've got it figured out and then the end happens. Oh, I'm sure what? you, Chaz. I'm sure you, like, within first five minutes, were like, oh, I saw this thing on the table. This is what's <laughs> happening. And then you would know all about it. She was fictional. She was not real the whole time. She was the one that committed suicide purgatory. Spoiler but... alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> That's not true. But no, you just have to watch it, Chaz. My number three, we've talked about, and I'm pretty sure it messed you up as a child too, definitely messed me up because of the body horror that takes place in this very, very practical effects. Uh, again, something I watched way too young. It made $19.6 million Ooh. at the box office, so barely being able to be included is 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing. That, it, again, funny you said this, about halfway through your list, I, it popped into my head. I was like, you know, I didn't even check The mm -hmm. Thing here because you had talked about John Carpenter. But I again, I assumed... It would have made over $20 million. Yeah, I just, there was a lot, there were, I probably had a list of 25 movies that I was like, okay, I'm going to check these. Yeah. And uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing were two that was like, okay, these these actually fall, I can pull these. And you, I, I again, I haven't looked at the budget of The Thing. I would imagine The Thing was a very expensive movie to make because of the amount of practical effects that are used in that movie. But yeah, absolutely nightmare fuel. Body horror to this day still Still doesn't sit right for me. I know for some people mm -hmm. that's that's a big thing, but it probably goes back to my childhood. Seeing things like that as a kid kind of messes you up for a long time. You, you, you kind of don't want to see, you know, people turn into these weird deformed looking alien things kind of flailing around. Um, yeah. 
kind of messes you up a little bit. That's a great choice though, Jez. Well, thank you. Uh, its budget was 15 million and it made 19.6. So a giant failure is what yeah. this movie would yeah, be considered. In Hollywood terms, that is a giant failure. Just to be clear, we're not talking about the remake of the thing. No, uh, that came well, this, like is technically, this is technically a remake. We're oh, talking about the point. middle remake. <laughs> yes, that is a good point as well. Uh, not the one that came out like five years ago or whatever right. it was. According to uh, what I'm looking at right now, when I looked up box or uh, budget, it's on Peacock. So well, it's on the best go. streaming. Yeah. I think Peacock has a lot of Halloween options. They've been adding. They've been adding like crazy on there. Um, so there's probably some gems sitting on there we need to go check out. Um, all right. So my number two. Chaz, my number two on this list. Uh, there's technically two different versions of this film. So I could kind of cheat and uh, pick one over the other if I wanted to, just depending on which one made less money. Uh, I can do that. <laughs> Uh, many years ago, maybe well over a decade at this point, I watched a, a nice little, uh, I, I want to say it was Norwegian. It might've been Swedish. I'm not really entirely sure. Uh, vampire film mm -hmm. called let the right one in. Mm -hmm. uh, I was blown away by this movie. I absolutely adored this movie. And then they said, we're going to make an American version of it. And I said, please don't. Why? <laughs> the, this version is completely fine. So what you read some subtitles, you'll be totally fine. It's not the big of a deal. We don't need to make an American version of it. So we made the American version of it called let me in and, mm -hmm. uh, it's better. It's even better, and it's it does just enough little elements to change it. It is mostly hand-in-hand hand, um, and very similar, but my goodness, as a coming-of-age vampire film that's not comedic, it's not played to a, a you know kind of a teen audience or something like that, deals a lot with bullying, um, but man, it is so, so good. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's one of my all-time favorites when I talk about horror films that I always go to. It's not super scary. It's creepy. Um, an eerie. So let me in or let the right one in. Doesn't matter which one you pick. They're both great. Is uh, Chloe Grace Moretz? Yep. Right? Yep. The best Chloe Grace Moretz movie? Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't think of anything else that I would say, oh no, she's definitely better than this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's probably the, my favorite movie that I've seen her in. Sweet. All right. My number two, we've already mentioned, so we don't have to talk a lot about this. Maybe, depending on our number ones, the only time we've had any. Uh, anything that's the same on both of our lists, but my number two was your honorable mention with what we do in the shadows. I mean, come on, so good. It, it, it is very good. And it is a movie I will watch around Halloween time because yep. it's good. It is good. I was just trying to stay true to this list. I, got, I, I feel and where you the, the heart of this list. So I'm not saying you did wrong, Chaz. <laughs> you just need to do better next time. I'll try harder. Um, but yes, there's, there's nothing, you can't go wrong with that. I agree. Um, then just kind of rounding out my list. Number one on my list, Chaz, you spoke about the Halloween anthology film. So I, I mm -hmm. wanted to pick an actual anthology. And to this day, this is an absolute Redbox legend of a film. It was like built for Redbox. You know when you go to Redbox and you look at the selection of movies and you're like, who would watch any of this trash? This is one of those movies that sat there and you're like, who would ever watch this stupid looking film? It looks so dumb. I would I never watch it. I know what this is. Yeah, because I've talked about it before, Chaz. And somebody told me, you need to check out this movie. And I said, fine. I'll watch the stupid, dumb Redbox movie. And I watched it, and I love it. And that is the movie Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. <laughs> Trick or Treat is so, so good for not only a horror film, but most definitely. It's up there as the best Halloween-based film I've ever seen. Mm. It has those elements you loved as a kid when watching something like Halloween Town or whether watching um, Hocus Pocus, mm -hmm. but in an adult setting. And it has a ton of black comedy in there. And it's got all of these stories, these different stories that all intertwine. So, of course, you'll see a scene. And then in another totally different scene, you'll see something happening in the background that connected to that one. It 
is awesome. And it built a massive cult following. They've said for years that they're going to make a sequel to it. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I feel like this is just a, a pipe dream at this point. I cannot recommend enough. If you just want something perfect to sit down and watch at night for, for Halloween, Trick or Treat should be on the top of your list. All right. Well, my top of the list, it is a horror movie. If I would have saw this as a child, I would have been petrified. It made $0 at the box office. Wow. And that is because it is a Hulu original when the Predator goes up against a warrior from the Comanche Nation, we get prey. I, and it's still an absolute travesty that this never had a theatrical release. It doesn't make sense to me how this never had a theatrical release because it had it had word of mouth. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with you. When seeing the lead up to that, I don't think I would have watched that movie. You and I commented on this podcast, the teaser for it. The teaser mm -hmm. was good. Mm -hmm. And the teaser was a really good concept and we were really on board. When I saw the first trailer, I was less on board. Mm. Like it felt like, oh, with the bear. What I was, yeah, I was like, what I was envisioning with like Comanche Indians fighting a predator was awesome. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm all for that. And then it kind of felt like, uh, but come to find out, the movie was actually really good. It was really well done. Should have had a theatrical release. Word of mouth, I think, would have, would have allowed that thing to generate some revenue there. Um, but again, excellent choice, Chaz. Yeah, let's just keep in mind that um, we live in a world where Prey got zero theatrical releases and Morbius got two. Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Yeah, why didn't neither of us pick Morbius for our list? I mean, <laughs> it made more than twenty million. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we, I would have had it on there. I would have had it on. Oh there. man! All right. Well, there are twenty-two. I feel pretty solid options. Well, I guess twenty-one. Pretty solid options for you to watch this spooky season for your Halloween. Because uh, I don't think it got trademarked, so we can say Halloween, Aaron. Um, your Halloween viewing pleasures. And uh, I guess we'll have to turn a leaf, and we'll have to review a movie next week that is not so much Halloween, but maybe does still feature aliens. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to tease it. I don't want to tease it. I want to just shock everybody in what we're going to review next week. Okay. Uh, yeah, so no tease. I will just say, when you told me this, I said, what is that? And I yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so. going to be a good one. We're both going in blind, and that's what I love yeah. about this. This is going to be a wild one next week. Next week will be a lot of fun, but for now, that's all I got. See ya.